Oh my goodness, missed that sound. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 23 of the F1 show. And after six long weeks, we are back for our second 2008 preseason analysis. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and we've got a, a bit to cover this week. And we want to start outside of Formula One with the world of U.S. open wheel racing. That is right, we have a huge announcement to make. American Open Wheel Racing has been reunited. That is right. There is no more IRL and Champ Car. We're going to have one season in 2008, and that is huge for us who are into open wheel racing in America. Yeah, things have definitely been disjointed since uh, Kart and IndyCar broke up, what was it, 12 years 12 ago? 12 years ago, yeah. I mean, I wasn't even really into it back then, but uh, you know, with, with IndyCar being primarily oval tracks, but a couple of road courses... And then, you know, and then no road courses, and then Champ Car being a couple of all road courses. I mean, I don't know. It's it was, it was all, all mostly street courses yeah. in the cities and a one oval. I mean, the, the both, both were losing fans. Both were losing teams. Both were losing drivers, losing events, not keeping ratings. NASCAR was accelerating off into the distance, making these huge numbers rivaling NFL. And open wheel racing, which what I have just a huge passion for, and what used to be a really popular event, uh, making the Indy 500 what it was, it just turned into nothing. Well, this 12-year-long uh, feud is over, and it's now going to be one series. Truthfully, it's not really a reun being reunited. Technically, Champ Car is dissolving. Yeah, it's not a merger 50-50 between Champ Car and IndyCar. Certainly, uh, the new series is going to be called Indy Racing League. Um, I do think they had the bigger you know, name recognition and everything. The, well, they had the one chip that was worth something, Tony George who is the founder of the Indy Racing League, is also the owner of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and hence the owner of the Indy 500, which is the only open-wheel racing event in this country that really has any clout left. And it was dying, too. This, this had to happen. Yeah. So it'll remain to be seen how, you know, how well things are integrated together throughout the season. I mean, the season's going to start very disjointedly with the existing Champ Car teams running um, at the Champ Car track, I mean, at, at you know, the streets of Long Beach, and it's just Champ Car teams, none of the IndyCar teams, because there's a schedule conflict with the Indy teams are all going to be in Japan at Motegi. So, Which is Honda's oval, by the way. Yeah. And so they're, they're going to have uh, separate races, but each race is going to count towards the one Indianapolis Racing League championship this year, which is, uh, at the very least, bizarre. I mean, it's, it's far from ideal, but you know what? We have to let it go because yeah, they're it's actually be the last reunited. time this happens. Yeah. You know, it's this is just the, sort of the growing pains or the merging pains here, I guess. And the 2008 Long Beach Grand Prix is going to be the final race for the traditional Champ cars. The 2.65 Cosworth V8 uh, turbocharged engine is going to go away. The Lola chassis are going away, and they're going to switch over to the Honda Delaras. And uh, basically, this is what's happening: Champ cars dissolving. Uh, that's not being operated, and all but three events are ending. Uh, the three events that are going to be carried over long-term onto the Indy Racing League schedule is the Long Beach Grand Prix and the Edmonton race, which is in Canada, and the Surfers Paradise race, which is in Australia. Now, all three of those races are street courses, which is about all Champ Car had left. And uh, some other interesting uh, things we know, um, the best news for us, for me personally, is that while Champ Car is going away, the Atlantic 
racing series, which has been around for over 30 years, is not. The Champ Car Atlantic uh, race is, uh, season is going to continue to 2008 and hopefully beyond, and uh, that's good news. What we don't know is what that means for the Infinity Pro Series. Yeah, that's the the next step below IndyCar in the in the ladder in the U.S. series, uh, you know, series of races, and uh, I think I mean it, it, we'll have to see how it plays out. But I thought there were some Champ Car, um, some some assets of Champ Car that were sort of interesting, like the push to pass that they had with the turbo engines. Yeah, um, and then and by the end of it, they tweaked up the push to pass to be how much extra horsepower? A hundred extra horsepower? No, or? I don't think it ever got to a hundred, but w- they they it was definitely 50 or something, wasn't it was at least fifty. It was fifty horsepower. So I, I don't know, and they also. They changed from race to race how much push to pass time you got. Sometimes it was sixty seconds. Sometimes it was up to ninety. Yeah, and then they and then something that Formula One now has, but you know the softer tire compound that actually made a pretty big difference on on lap times, and it was just some extra sort of strategic. Um, the option know, tire, as it yeah, was called. Yeah. Um, just so, you know, how much do you use your push to pass right at the start, where you can get past more people because everyone's bunched up, or do you save it for a last blast at the end, or? You know, how do you? It's just an additional little bit of strategy, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, there were some interesting races, uh, like the uh, Mexico City Grand Prix and some of these other Absolutely. places. Um, and so, I was never that big on Indy cars, but maybe you know, now that that's the one um, U.S. open wheel race series, uh, it'll be more interesting. And we're certainly going to go to the Detroit Grand Prix this year. Absolutely. And here's the thing: it's it's going to drift back to the traditional Indy racing that it used to be, uh, and. Here's the thing. Each racing series had drivers in the teens. You know, the last couple of years, the Indy 500 has struggled to even make 33 cars for the grid, when in the past they would have 50, 75 cars trying to qualify for the Indy 500. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring back, you know, see, there's nine, up to nine teams and up to 12 drivers that are going to come from Champ Car over to the Indy Racing League. That's going to put the Indy Racing League numbers of drivers back into the mid-20s, which is a very solid number. It's going to put drivers like Tony Kanaan and Marco Andretti against uh, drivers such as, hopefully, Paul Tracy and uh, some several others that have made names for themselves in Champ Car. Yeah, and we say hopefully Paul Tracy because his uh, the team he's been working with, Forsyth Racing, has actually just announced they're closing up shop. They just looked at the numbers and decided it didn't work to change over their entire team to running the Indy car instead of the Champ car. I mean, they basically have to, you know, they're running a whole different car. It's different expertise, so maybe some of the people would have to be changed, at least retrained on the new equipment. It'd be a whole bunch of new, you know, tools and transporters and spare parts and development. And, I mean, there's a lot to change over to become, they're basically changing the series in which they're running, I mean, essentially. Yeah, but that's very bizarre news to me because Gerald Forsyth was always a huge standout in racing. He always had really deep pockets. Um, this is this is the same team. This is the players' Forsyth team that uh, took uh, Jacques Villeneuve to victory in uh, 1995 at the Indy 500. And you know, this is a guy that brought Paul Tracy his championship in 2003. And this has been a serious team for several years. So I, I'm really disappointed and, and, and disheartened to hear that he's not going to be in it this year. Well, maybe it's not really about money. I mean, that's what he says, and maybe that's the easiest sort of cop-out response, but it's certainly possible that he just didn't like the politics or the way the, the merger deal went down or something like that, and he just wants to get out of it. But it, it's, it's, it's a shame. It's very possible. Way. that The main, the two main players in this was Tony George, who owns the IRL in the uh, Motor Speedway, like we talked about, and uh, uh, Kevin Kalkoven, who um, was the owner, one of the co-owners of Champ Car, one of the Champ Car team owners, and uh, they're the ones that made this happen. But what's what's interesting is, uh, Champ Car came out of CART, which was the championship auto racing teams, and that developed in 1979 as a breakaway from USAC, which was United States Auto Racing Club, or Auto Club. And uh, 
So USAC was also run by the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So this is, in a way, actually a 30-year feud that's kind of come full circle because Champ Car actually originally broke away from USAC, and now USAC, in the form of the IRL, is kind of closed out Champ Car. So that's kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, regardless of which side you're on, it's going to be so much better to have one racing series and something that uh, Jim and I are maybe going to watch and maybe even report on a little bit. Yeah, once these, I think once these differences get ironed out and the format is is figured out and sort of the hierarchy of the teams and everything is is sorted out, because I think for a while it'll be pretty disjointed. The fact that they have two separate races that are both counting for the same championship, I don't even really understand how they're going to do that. But um, you know, maybe if they make them both exhibition races, I mean, I don't know. It, 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 there's there's no good answer to it, and I guess they're sort of they've run the numbers and come up with what's going to work best. Well, next year, Motegi, the contract for Motegi is up after this year. So next year, the presumption is is that the Long Beach Grand Prix is going to be the racing event for the Indy Racing League, and so hopefully from 2009 and on, this will be a smoother situation, and and they'll sort out some of the bugs as they go. Hopefully, yeah. Um, Sebastian Bourdais, who is now in Formula One, uh, just you know, from being champ car champion for the last five years in a row or whatever, four years, um, is is sort of down on the move. I think he's glad he got out when he did because he says this is essentially champ car just dissolving um, entirely. And it's not quite, I mean, you know, with the teams and the drivers and everybody moving over, but um, he thinks it's just really sort of bad for champ car that the IRL just got so, such a better well, deal. definitely bad for champ car that they're not going to exist anymore. The well, employees got four-week severance and said, sorry. So yeah. I mean, Champ Car is no more. But the but I think I mean I think it's hard to argue with the idea that it's good for open wheel racing in America because Champ Car and IndyCar were sort of driving each other into the ground, and this way there'll be something instead of you know there'll be one series instead of zero. So well, you know, you can kind of relate this to uh, politics in America these days, red states, blue states, and all the divisive things that are going on. It's like okay, forget about who's right and who's wrong. This is what's better for everybody. And I just hope people cannot, like, bicker about that and, like, hold grudges and so we can just move on and it can be a cool series again. Here's hoping. So, anyway, enough of that. We still have, we still have our core, core hearts in F1, so we're not going yeah, to labor that anymore. This is an IRL show. This is F1 show after all. And what better way to start talking about F1 than a quote from Fernando Alonso. He is now at the Renault team for 2008, and according to him... Podiums are going to be a dream this year. Yeah, it's being, whether it's brutally honest or just trying to sort of keep his name in the media or whatever he's doing, uh, it's an interesting comment to say because so much of the preseason, you know, everything is, you know, oh, we're hopeful and we've got a lot of development work to do, but everything's going to look out great. And he just basically said, yeah, I'm not really going to win anything and it'd be great to be on the podium, but that's probably not going to happen either. But you know what? I think he's right. You know, uh, Renault is not going to be able to make enough leaps to get right back up with McLaren and Ferrari this year. It's just not going to happen. They don't have the budget for it, and I, I just don't think they have the momentum for it. So, you know, here is a championship-winning driver that is now going to be a mid-pack driver. I, I, this just goes to show that he shot himself in the foot last year. Yeah, although, I mean, well, he says he doesn't regret the decision moving to McLaren and coming back and all that. Um, of course although, not. Although I guess that's what you would say, right? Um, but it, I, I still think you want to be, you want to be positive. I, I think if anything... You, you know, fortunes can change as quickly in Formula One as anywhere. I mean, when you know when we've seen performances like from Sebastian Vettel and from Super Gurry in the past, and you know some of the points they've made, some of the passes that have been done, it's just you can't forget that you know with there's so many variables, and I think 
the combination of driver and team with Fernando Alonso and Renault, how you know if it's anything like it used to be, could really just come back into form and and really be pretty amazing. So it, it's possible, but I you know the way you know Michael Schumacher did it, for example, he had so many people around him. He had Ross Braun, he had Jean Todd, he had all these people who uh, really developed around him. I'm, Alonso's just not going to get that. And I don't know how much patience he's going to have before he wants to start winning again. And if then he's going to be able to find a ride in a top team. Or if he can get Renault back to being a top team and if, you know, Flavio and all them are still still up for it or not. I mean, I guess we'll have to see. But um, it's interesting that he sort of come out and said, and I've actually seen two different uh, articles regarding who Fernando thinks will win this year. And I guess this is something uh, a lot of reporters are just pressing him on. You know, he's sort of admitted he's not in the running um, and which I think is pretty clear uh, for the world for the drivers championship. And one article said he thinks Lewis Hamilton has the best chance because his second year is going to be much easier than his debut year, which I think certainly could be the case. Um, as anyone who's been in Formula One for a couple of years, I've got to imagine the first year when you're still you know new at a lot of tracks and still figuring out how the way things work in the team and absolutely you know just figuring out your place and everything. But by the time you get to your second year. Everything has just got to be that much easier, and he really may, you know, Lewis Hamilton may really have a, a much better time this year to be able to just focus on his driving, and he's been to all the tracks, uh, except for, what, Singapore, the new one, which no one's been to. Right, I and mean, it's, it's level playing field. So, yeah, so it's, it's level playing field, and he's got the, you know, just that much more experience. Um, he could really just come out and be successful. And another article, though, uh, I read that uh, Alonzo thinks uh, Raikkonen has the best chance. So, either way, those are both pretty safe bets, I mean, I think... Yeah, we're we're talking Who about. Who else is it going to be? You know, I mean, we're talking about the Ferrari team that showed huge pace and looked really strong in the early testing, and McLaren, which showed tons of pace and a lot of speed in the later testing. I mean, the, these are going to be the two top teams again. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. Uh, it's going to be very interesting for me to see uh, how Kovalainen reacts to being on a top team and if he gets more to his own and really starts being quick. And what's going to happen with Massa? I mean, in the last podcast or two podcasts ago, I talked about how I have a feeling that Massa is going to kind of fall and kind of become a support driver. And uh, now that Ferrari's under new management, John Todd is out. I think that's only more likely that uh, Ferrari is going to go back to lead driver, secondary driver type of setup, and Raikkonen's going to be their lead driver. Yeah, and you wonder when, if ever, Massa will really have his chance. I mean, I guess uh, Raikkonen's been waiting in the wings for several years, and was never really a backup driver. He was always in contention to win, and um, you know, it's finally made it happen last year. But you wonder if if Massa will really ever have his chance because you know I don't feel like Rubens Barrichello in the Michael Schumacher era really ever had a chance. Not even close of, of you know of winning the drivers' championship, and it really doesn't look like he's going to have another chance in his career. I mean, unless anything really amazing happens um, or he switches teams or whatever. It just you wonder with with Felipe Massa. Because it was, he was sort of on the rise, you know, and definitely on the rise in the last, you know, two, three years. And to now he's sort of going second fiddle to, uh, to Kimi, you wonder if, you know, eventually Kimi will stop, you know, will retire or whatever. But that looks so far off the future. It's like, when well, is, and Masa's, when, when's Masa's turn? Masa's no younger than Kimi. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, been, he's been in F1 for a while, too. And I think, honestly, this is Masa's one shot. If he just proves to be as quick or quicker than Kimi this year, they're going to be forced to support him. But all the momentum is going to be going in Kimi's direction. And I think, honestly, you're going to be looking at a three-way battle for the title this year between Raikkonen, Kovalainen, and Hamilton. And that's if Kovalainen gets comfortable. Yeah, and which I guess, you know, as, as everything else in this episode, we'll have to see. 
Um, what else I'm interested and really interested to see is how Sebastian Bourdais does. Uh, you know, we mentioned him moving over from Champ Car, so he's you know it's his Formula One debut, but obviously he's done just had huge success in open wheel cars, and uh, uh, he seems to think that his qualifying pace is going to be the problem starting out. He says on the long runs he's quite competitive, but it's the first lap performance he has a, a hard time with. So I think there's going to be a lot of nuances yeah. to you know seeing because he's got you know he's obviously has the mindset necessary and sort of knows what needs to happen to win races and win championships. Um, so I think a lot of those, you know, that knowledge that it's in, in contrast to someone who just has raw talent, you know, he's, he's got a lot of the, you know, the, the necessary knowledge. Um, he'll just have to, you know, translate his, his, his skills and in driving into Formula One cars and, and understand the Formula One world. Um, and, you know, but now we've got some of the other changes, too, with uh, with the tires and everything within the specs. But the no traction control now. And, you know, Which is going to suit him just fine because he didn't have traction control before in Champ Car. Yeah, and Lewis Hamilton says no traction will suit him just fine because he was in GP2 two years ago anyway with no traction control and all the other prior series. And, and GP2 is 650 horsepower. Champ Car was 750 to 800 horsepower. I mean, this not the exact as Formula One, but, you know, not low amounts of power either. Yeah, and it sounds like maybe the people that will be have the hardest time will be those that have been in Formula One for so long. Like David Coulthard, you know, has known traction control since way back or, yeah, you know, some sure. of these guys. That uh, you know, so so some of the newbie, you know, the new guys almost have an advantage just because you know Hamilton said it was basically a couple days of work and he switched back to his old driving style with no traction and and now he's good. Yeah, um, but you know what? I think the old guys are going to be just fine too. You know, maybe some people are stuck in their ways a little bit, but these are all really really good drivers. You know what I was thinking about though with the traction control is I don't think on like a qualifying lap or you know that it's going to make that much of a difference in terms of just handling the car but it's going to be these special situations it's going to be two-thirds of the way three-quarters of the way through a race when there's all kinds of marbles built up off the racing line and someone goes to make a big pass or someone takes a turn a little over aggressively and goes off onto the grass you know last year they would have been able to just keep their foot in it let the traction sort it out and maybe they have two wheels off but they can get back on the track and not lose that much time you know if there's a big chase going on and someone pushes a little wide or something or, or has to run outside the normal line I think it's these, you know, these little nuances where if someone does just keep their foot planted in, you know, that they may spin or they, they'll have to back off more. They may lose more time from a simple mistake. So we'll have to see how it plays out in, in racing because I think in qualifying and a lot of testing, it's not been some amazing topsy-turvy, you know, it doesn't oh, throw yeah. the leaderboards upside down. But I, I think we'll have some moments in the year where we'll really see, you know, especially if we have some really heated battle and someone has to go off the line and someone pushes wide or whatever, that will really just test the driver's reaction time and you know how 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 quickly can they get off the throttle and get back on and but things I, I, like that. I think that's going to happen to everybody. I mean, you know, Hamilton says he's going you know he's comfortable in it with two sessions and everything else, but you know, come those situations and Hamilton's pushing just as hard to use him as an example, he could very well get off in the clag just like anybody else and have that moment. I I, I don't think you're going to see the, you know, certain drivers uh, you know, the experienced drivers have way more trouble than the young drivers, for example, because of that. I, I think everyone will cope with that pretty quickly, and I, I think it's going to be great. I, I'm glad to see it happen. Um, you know, going back to the Sebastian Bourdais thing, though, what I, I think Sebastian Bourdais' biggest challenge is going to be to prove himself against Vettel, because, I mean, Vettel's got more time in the Formula One car. He's almost nine years younger than Sebastian Bourdais. Wow. And, you know... Bourdais is going to really have to push to prove himself. I mean, he was in a very comfortable situation in Champ Car. I mean, he was a very good driver, but he was also on the top team and had the support of the Newman Haas uh, squad 100%. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see. Now, uh, the next thing that really caught my eye is uh, Adrian Newey. 
Mm-hmm. He is at Red Bull now, and this was the first year that he had a clean sheet of paper for him and the uh, RB4 car, the new Red Bull car, uh, stunning. Yeah, well, he designed the, which McLaren, the MP421 or 422? Duh. <laughs> no, I think this is the 421. <laughs> one of them, re- one uh, of the really good ones. 2006, where, but he just did the, the aerodynamics and so on of it. It wasn't, it wasn't entirely his car, it was, uh, you know, just... He, he had he had a lot of say in it, you know. He made the swoopy bits. Yeah, and although the 421, I think, was crap. <laughs> Either way, whatever. And uh, you're drifting from the topic here. Point. Okay. Well, it's not his, It's not the first car he's he's ever worked on. Certainly. I mean, he's you know car designer since. since he's kind of one of the renowned guys. He's yeah. one of the one of the big brains in Formula One. But so the new Red Bull car, though. What about it? It's got this huge like stability flap thing on the back coming off the engine cover. Instead of sloping down to the rear wing like every other Formula One, it goes straight back like a like a fin. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, dorsal I don't fin kind of uh, kind of looking deal. And which and it's one of those things. As soon as you look at it, they say it you know it makes it helps them um, under high speed cornering. And you just look at that and sort of think about like you know it's sort of a it's a big sort of a wind vane thing. It's like it, a keel except makes, not it, in the water. Yeah, it makes perfect sense that when you know the air is going around that you know that that, that would help sort of keep the car straight or. Um, you know, help for high-speed stability. So it's one of those one of those developments. You sort of look at it, and um, and I would think it would help under high-speed braking quite a bit because that's uh, something. That's another thing that it's it's not as touted as the traction control. They're also losing um, some engine drag braking help, which uh, helped to yeah. Part of the new spec ECU is no engine braking. Right. So that helped keep the car stable as well. Uh, the rear the rear end of the car is going to be more prone to locking up and getting loose, and this this fin might help keep that car stable under those conditions. Yeah. So what's the downside though? I mean, I guess that's weight that's way high up that they'd want to avoid. I mean, they want to keep. Yeah, weight, but, but we're I talking, can't imagine it's that much. I mean, this, this that's just fiber, a hunk right? of carbon fiber. I mean, it's it's a bold design, and you know, every other Formula One car on the grid looks, you know, like an updated version of last year's car, except for this one. I mean, this is this is a radical departure. Uh, for modern standards, anyway, there's not six wheels on the car, but uh, it's, yeah, a ra- I miss those days. it's a radical departure from modern days, and it's it. Who knows? Who knows how it's going to perform? Yeah, I mean, I remember thinking the same thing when we saw. Um, well, BMW tested some crazy sort of vertical front wings in front of the driver. They later decided weren't safe because the driver couldn't really see past them so well. You know, we've Oops. seen a couple of these oddball ideas, and and even like, when the McLaren, I think, was the first to come out with the Viking wings on the side of the. Uh, you know, on the side of the of the air intake, and which ironically enough, BMW Sauber has on yeah, the car now, this year. Yeah, and now other key, other teams have gone onto it, and and you got to think that as soon as as soon as that, you know Ferrari and McLaren saw the uh, you know the Red Bull car with this fin on it, they they you know built the same thing in their test rig just to sort of hey let's run the numbers on that. You know what what are they getting out of that? And you know because because uh, obviously these are all these are all competitive teams here. Um, it's you know it'd be a little different if Super Aguri came out with some crazy design. I think people would take it less seriously. But obviously Red Bull's got. You know, quite a budget, and you know, some and Adrian Newey. I mean, is one of the top guys out there. Um, so you've got to imagine all the competitors are sort of running running the numbers on that and sort of seeing what they what they can get. But I've got to imagine people have thought of that before. I mean, it doesn't. It's not way way out there. I mean, it's definitely a different 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 concept. But it's not like something that's and it doesn't take really uh, huge strange. departures from normality to think about how it would work. Yeah, I mean, you can look at it and say, okay, yeah, I can see how that would help. Yeah, you know, and if if normal brains like yours and mine can come up with it. Uh, well, you know, Jim's a genius. But all that aside, if we can think of useful things for that piece, then obviously F1 engineers probably long ago thought of useful things for that piece, and maybe they said, oh, it's probably not worth it or whatever. 
Well, who knows? Maybe it's just for sponsorship. I mean, after all, there's a huge Red Bull sign on the side of it, and it's real easy to read. Yeah, and, I mean, obviously we're talking about the car, and it's in, there's more photos of it in the papers, so maybe it's just a little publicity thing, and it may be gone by the, by the time we see him on the grid in Melbourne, too. Yeah, who knows? Um, now, there's been a lot of testing, and like we said, most of the cars are just, you know, uh, just steps progress um, from the previous year. Uh, one team that is, is breaking away from that also is uh, Honda and Ross Braun's new squad. He's a new technical director there, and he, uh, or no, team principal. And he, they kind of started with a clean sheet of paper with that car, but yet again, it just does not look like things are going too well for them. Yeah, Honda is, is really hurting right now, and, and as a corollary, Super Aguri is in, in big trouble. Um, but More on that later. Yeah, but uh, Jensen Button just sort of says there's still a lot of work to do, and he's trying to keep a good attitude about it, but it's just getting harder and harder, and I mean, I don't know if this is sort of put up or shut up time. You know, it's 2008. If, if this doesn't work out for for Jensen and, and Rubens, if they're just going to try to jump ship after this or I what? Don't, but, it really can't be. I mean, you got to give Ross Braun a full year uh, to to really try to make the team organization work again. I mean, it, it sounds like it was a pretty broken up team before, and I think it's going to take time. Hopefully, they don't completely fall on their faces this year. Yeah, but I mean, there's definitely issues, and with Honda spending a whole a whole lot of money and just really not getting results, and not even as good as it were a couple of years ago, and they're you know, not any big cathartic moment where the wheels just fell off the wagon and, and Honda crashed and burned, but they're just sort of everyone else has been developing and, and improving, and Honda just hasn't been. Whatever they've been spending money on just hasn't worked, and it seems like there's a, probably a lot of time and, and money spending restructuring and getting all the right people in the right places and, you know, obviously getting Ross Braun on board to steer everything in the right direction, but it's it's too bad that they're, you know, still so far out from, you know, just not even in the running for wins, you know, for the foreseeable future. Right, and, you know, Here's the situation. Last year, in a bizarre twist of events, you know, Honda could lean on Super Aguri a little bit for results. Uh, Takuma Sato had some great runs, and Davidson was solid and, uh, you know, kept Honda complete, uh, not completely out of the running. But this year, Super Aguri's in huge financial trouble. They actually haven't done any testing. And uh, SS United, uh, a big sponsor of theirs last year, never paid them. Yeah, and it sounds like, Honda is reevaluating the, their program with Super Aguri and the money they're spending there, and really trying to get Super Aguri to be its own deal and make its own money and you know pay its own way, basically. But continue to have Honda engines. Yeah, um, and Super Aguri basically says we can't be our own team, we can't survive without Honda support, and so they're trying to work out the money and everything involved there. And I think it's so much harder now that, that you know that Honda is not successful and not seeing a big resurgence in performance. You know, and, and, and last year they had the car with just Honda sponsorship and not even any other sponsors on board. I mean, Honda's kind of got a little weird program going on right now. MyEarthDreams.com. Yeah, and, and, and it's just sort of not a typical thing, and they're, they're saying that, oh, we don't need the extra $40 million that a main sponsor would give us. We're going to do our own sponsorship, and it's all, it's all Honda and whatever. But it seems like you know, the, the, the financials over there are just not working out right now, and so they're leaning on Super Aguri a little bit to say, hey, you guys, we're not going to really bankroll you anymore. Go make your own money. And that's not going to happen in Super Aguri. You know, they just don't have don't have the infrastructure and the sponsors on board um, to to you know be their own completely separate entity, even using Honda Power. Um, and, and if if Aguri Suzuki himself is out, then it, you know if someone else buys the team or whatever, then there's you know the, the availability of Honda engines may go away, and it, it's really a tricky situation. Um, the one sort of consolation there, though, is that last year in 2007, Super Aguri did not have any testing before Friday and uh, in Australia, so and they were able to do what they did last year. So, um, you know, as, as much as every bit of testing helps, um, you know, I guess this is part of how Super Aguri can 
you know, be a be a Formula One team and, and spend as little money as they do, um, if they can, you know, show up on Friday at Melbourne and that's the you know the second time the, the drivers have been in the car ever and they can go out and you know do anywhere near a reasonable performance, then you know kudos to them for for being able to do that. I guess Ab- absolutely. And they have confirmed that they will have two cars on the grid at Melbourne, but I, nothing beyond that is confirmed. So that's it's a pretty dicey situation now. Um, if I were Bernie Ecclestone, I think Formula One has a vested interest in keeping that team going as well. So hopefully Super Guri will be here all season, and they will be fine. They will be able to recover from this. I think it's a great Formula One team, and I think they still have potential. So there it, you go. Yeah, it's it's interesting to sort. It's almost a, as an exercise, an, an academic exercise to say if you were, you know, how little can you spend and still be a reasonably competitive Formula One team and not competitive for wins, but even, you know, competitive for points and, uh, you know, and, and sort of getting to eighth, eighth spot and a point is almost like a win for them, you know, just with oh, the way absolutely. The, the, where the grid is. So, um, you know, it's, it's almost a good exercise to sort of see what if, you know, this weren't mega, mega billions of dollars and millions here and there and, and all that, you know, and the huge motorhomes and everything else. You know, what if it was a more reasonable amount of money spent on it what, where could that team be? And that team right now is super agurian. So we can see that they can have a, a, a good level of success, you know, if they have the right people in the right, you know, the right direction. And it's all relative. I mean, they still spent $50 million last year, something crazy. So it, it, we're not talking about, you know, little bits of money here. We're still talking about huge money just compared to the hundreds of millions of dollars that every other team spent. You know, it, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Certainly. And but, it would be definitely a shame to lose that team, um, especially with the, the climate right now with, with, uh, you know, how hard it is to get a, a new team started up, you know, from, from zero. Um, you know, like we've seen with ProDrive trying to get a, 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 a clone team going or whatever, the, uh, the customer car team's going. And, you know, with all the rule changes and everything going on there, it's just, you know, hard to even understand what it takes to get a team going. And it seems like it may change by the week. Well, 22 cars is a good number to have. I think the only thing better than 22 cars would be 24 cars. And that was supposed to happen this year. Uh, next year at the latest, but now that's up in the air. The customer car, and I'm using air quotes here, is again up in the air. Uh, ProDrive originally was going to buy cars from McLaren and run them, and they can't do that. That's been deemed, um, I don't know what, what, out of the rules. Yeah, it's a tricky situation because, you know, it's changed when Formula One, the before the constructors were considered constructors and there were manufacturers, and uh, and then it was, you know, the, the way they sort of classify who makes the car and, and what kind of car it is, which in most forms of motorsport is really not a big deal. You know, that's the, there's with NASCAR, there's, you know, the Ford powertrain or the Toyota powertrain or the Chevy or whatever. But with these constructor cars, um, when you've got, you know, this sort of intellectual property laws at play and, you know, did Red Bull design the car or did some other third-party company call that just happens to be called Red Bull Holdings design the car and, you know, are they free to sell it to whatever, or is the company that built the car the actual the same company that's running the car? I mean, there's a that's, lot of a, a lot of agreements that take a lot of lawyers to interpret. And there's no doubt what Honda did with Super Aguri and what Red Bull did with Toro Rosso was a loophole in the rule book. It's not what was intended the rules to be, but it it, it allowed Toro Rosso to have Toro Rosso to have a reasonably competitive car and Super Aguri Aguri to do like we said, have an amazing season without any testing. Yeah, and. I think it's something, you know, and I, and I guess there there are arguments on both sides. I mean, certainly competent people can, can disagree about whether it makes the sport better or not. I mean, um, th- you could sort of see as a, as a 
you know, logical uh, next couple of steps, if you, if you look through these maybe five, ten years in the future, if they allow customer cars, it may end up that there's only, you know, maybe three actual car designs. Three uh, or four teams just yeah. with several cars. And each one runs four, maybe six cars, you know, through different customers or whatever. Um, and that is almost sort of, you know, less exciting because there are less different designs on the grid and it's more and it's about the driver. And huge money spent by those three or four manufacturers. Yeah, and then if you're not, if you don't, if you're not one of their customers, then maybe you'd just be totally forced out because those guys have, you know, three times, four times the testing um, of a single team. So you could sort of end up with, you know, just big titans and then everyone else. But that's not that different from what we've got now. And well, and here's what happened. So the line was drawn in the sand that, no, ProDrive cannot have customer cars from McLaren. So the core question is, what's good for the sport, to allow customer cars or to not? You know, Williams claims that in a world where customer cars were allowed, they would not be able to survive as an independent team. And for me, it, it, it's tough. I, I have to agree with Williams on this one, I think. I, I, I like having more individuality, more different teams, and, and having each car have its own unique bits. I mean, if we were looking at the Ferrari versus the McLaren versus the BMW versus the Renault or versus the Toyota, let's say, and those were the four cars, that would be way less interesting than also looking at the uh, Red Bull, also looking at the Renault, also looking at, you know, what Subaru Aguri is doing or whatever. I mean, you know, the less, the more homogeneous you make the sport, the less interesting it becomes. Yeah, but on the flip side to that, um, you sort of wonder, you know, how good are the drivers and how much of it is the team and how much of it is the testing and how much of it is the tires and how much of it is the aerodynamics. And so, you know, there are certainly spec series that are that are interesting to watch because it's about the drivers and because it's about, you know, the same car setup. I mean, GP2 definitely has some pretty interesting races. Um, and, you know, it's obviously a good way to find driver talent um, because it's all driver. You know, it's, it's basically the difference between one, tar- one car to the next is setup and, and driver. Um, and it's not like it's... A horribly boring race. I mean, and, and you know, it levels the playing field as far as the cars. And so, you know, it could be argued that GP2 is more exciting because it's not that the, that the Ferraris and McLarens are off storm off ahead and everyone else is just sort of doing their thing and it's a little you know parade going around in the laps. I mean, there's 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 arguments both ways. And I think for Formula One, I, I don't think Formula One should be a spec series. I think that's part of its whole point is the different manufacturers and different approaches. And if anything, I think it should be more more difference between the different cars you know i mean I, I would love to see some less restriction yeah exactly where you know they just each, each team is given you could say a set amount of fuel for a race go nuts and, and if they determine that a turbocharged four-cylinder is the way to do it or a small v8 or a v12 or you know whatever whatever engine the rotary i mean who knows whatever engine design they want to come up with um, probably will never happen but just would be really interesting yeah and i mean it actually reminds me of what got you interested in the sport in the first place, Jim, was the, was the technology and the cars. I remember us having this conversation. You're like, yeah, the drivers are okay, whatever, but the cars is what's really what gets you. And if the cars were all the same, well, shit, it'd be less interesting, you know? Indeed. But, I mean, I guess that's just my, my background being more technical and more interested, you know, and, and even in, in the racing games we play, you know, if there's if I'm not getting the lap times I want on, a, on, a, on some track, I want to change the setup or change the gearing, change the downforce or whatever. And I want to practice. Man. And you're the driver who just thinks, oh, no, <laughs> it's just all the driver and it's all it's all behind the wheel. So there's, and uh, you know, and there's something for, for each of us there, and so I think it's it's good. So, Well, regardless, here's the situation. Super Aguri is going to be at Melbourne. Pro Drive is not. The testing has been really interesting to watch. I absolutely cannot wait for Melbourne in two weeks. There's been... There's just huge potential for this season. Yeah, and actually Toyota has come out and said they, their performance has been really strong in testing, and they're really looking. They said you know they, they've made a, a big step forward in terms of aerodynamics. Um, Yarno truly made a comment said he says the car feels like a real race car, 
which I think is funny. It's like, That's what, have, what have they had for the last seven years? Well, you know, I think they uh, they took a real look at it, and they, they lost a good 170 pounds of mass and air, uh, you know, aerodynamic instability by replacing Ralph Schumacher with Timo Glock. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a huge step in the right direction. It really streamlined the car, made it swoopier. The engine's making more power. It's just not being Ralphed at all. It and complains I just think that's a whole brilliant. lot less. Yeah, I'd, absolutely. It's so got this German scowl around the whole place. So, uh, you know, Toyota has got to start making improvements. And, yeah, they've been making some progress. And it's actually been interesting that BMW Sauber, who wanted to step forward again, might be actually taking a step back. They're... Uh, not looking super strong this year. So it, this, the mid-pack is going to be huge to watch. Yeah, definitely some, some changes there. And it's, it's tough looking at testing. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you can't overanalyze, you know, Friday testing results or preseason testing because, you know, the teams are running different programs at all these different, you know, different testing events. Some guys are doing, you know, 900 kilometers. They're doing multiple race distances. They're doing, you know, different combinations of tires and aero and everything else. Um, so it's hard to sort of look at a timesheet. Uh, from practice and know who's really on top and who's really not. I mean, you know, for a while the Ferraris were looking unbeatable. Now the McLarens are sort of looking unbeatable. Toyota's really happy with what they're doing. Uh, you know, well... The Red Bull car's been looking strong They so haven't far. run a race yet, basically. Yeah, so, that, you know, we, that's exactly or right. Or qualified or even, you know, had a, had a proper practice session where they're trying to test some lap times. So I don't want to overanalyze practice results, but definitely things are shaping up that it could be a little different. BMW may not be the solid third place. Um, and I, I think it'd be great to see Toyota up there mixing it up with them. I mean, it's about time, right? Yeah, and who knows? I mean, long story short, this is what we're getting at. In two weeks' time, we're going to have a lot to say, and we can't wait to say it. You know, it's shaping up to be a fantastic season this year. No traction control, no engine braking. Those two things are going to be really sweet to see. The new drivers we have coming in, uh, Sebastian Bourdais, uh, watching Kovalainen in a top team this year, watching Alonso struggle in a mid, mid-pack team. Watching, watching uh, Sebastian Vettel work his way in. I mean, yeah. Where's Massa going to line up? There's there's lots of things to watch here. How's Ross Braun going to do? How's Ferrari going to do without John Todd? I mean, Super Aguri going to last more than one race? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a huge thing. But that is F1 is not the only thing that's got new stuff going on. For real, F1 show. We have been hard at work slaving away in these in these off season for us. These weeks we, we, we have not episodes. been sitting idle. Oh no. Um, we've got a lot of new features. We're going to start mentioning um, the, the Facebook page. We, we briefly touched on this when we were working on it uh, a couple the last episode. We have it now. It's there. Yes. Go to F1Show.com. There's a link right on the side there for, for Facebook. Um, if you're not f- familiar with Facebook, it's a social network. You can connect with all your friends and work coworkers and people from all over the world. But uh, we have set up a page there where you can actually you know, become a fan of the show. Um, we've got discussion boards. You can, you can, you know, whether you want to respond directly to the episodes, some pictures, you know, see who the other people are that are listening to the show. Maybe there's other people in your neighborhood and you want to get together and, and watch F1 together, or who knows what. And it's it's been absolutely fantastic. We we've had the Facebook page up for a couple of weeks now. We've already gotten a few fans. Uh, we really appreciate. We've got uh, fans from Turkey, from Greece, from South Korea. Uh, from America. Yeah, I mean, Facebook is, is worldwide. You know, we know F1 is worldwide, and, uh, you know, pretty much everything's in English right now just because that's what we, we speak and understand. But certainly, you know, wherever you are in the world, if you understand our podcast, then you guess you get enough English to get by. So um, <laughs> hop, on the, hop on the, you know, hop on the, the Facebook page, and, you know, people can, can upload their own photos of, if they go to different F1 events. I think it'd be really cool to sort of be able to see. Uh, I put my photos from uh, the U.S. Grand Prix when we went there last year. Uh, but you know, if you if you take cool pictures, or, you know, if you go to the, your local race or whatever, uh, post those up. You've got you know a wall going, discussion boards, all kinds of stuff. And, and uh, uh, that's not all. Oh yeah, 
Um, we want you to be on the F1 show. Yes, absolutely. We have got a cool new feature where if you want to be a part of the F1 show, if you have a question for us, if you have a complaint about us, if you have something that's just you know eating at your brain and you want to let it, get it off your chest, you can now do so and maybe even be a part of the F1 show. Go to F1show.com, and there's a link right on the side there for Send Me a Voicemail. Um, it uses a program called Skype, which if you don't have it, it's free to download. It's free to have an account and use your computer's microphone and everything to, to make free calls. Um, we've got a, an account there. Just The name of the account is just F1show, simple as that. Um, you can either go on our website and just click on that link to, to record a message for us. But uh, that way we, we actually can hear your voice, and instead of just writing us a comment or an email, um, we can you know hear your voice and we can put you right on the show and, and respond to your question, whether it's about our show, whether it's about Formula One in general, or whatever you want to say. And uh, that should be really cool and get some other voices on the show. If you thought Vlavio Briatore looked extra hot that weekend, let us know. If you thought what I said was totally stupid, let me know. If you uh, you know think David Coulthard should uh, get a new job, let us know. We want to hear what you think. And English is absolutely optional, but preferred. Because if we don't understand what you're saying, we probably won't put your comments on our show. Who knows? Who knows? To be to be perfectly honest. And that still isn't all. I don't remember what the other thing is, though. We have a video to show you guys. Oh, yes, because you've been working on that. Robert's I've been, been working. working so hard on that, and I promised it long, long ago. Uh, all I have to say is better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. We actually filmed this um, when we were on location at Indianapolis uh, in high definition, and we will be posting links to it uh, right on F1Show.com, so hit that up in the next day or two um, while we're recording this. It's, uh, it's March 3rd here now, Monday, but uh, you may be hearing this later on, so just visit F1Show.com, and uh, you should see a link right there to, to the video, or you can also look at it on the Facebook page. Um, and should be on YouTube. Yeah, this is something we hope to do a couple more of in the future. I mean, if, if we go to these events and, and we're you know sort of planning our, our racing schedule this year of the events we can make it to, um, no U.S. Grand Prix this year, but uh, maybe we can get to Canada or, or another one, um, or even non-Formula One events if, if you guys have any interest in those from the Detroit Grand Prix or something like that. Let us know with a voicemail. Exactly. Um, yeah, and you know we we uh, we think we got some good coverage here, and we want you to show it. We want you to show your friends and anyone else you might be think interested in Formula One. Show it to them. Yeah, definitely. Just hit, hit up f1show.com, and you'll see links to the video, the Facebook page, the Skype voicemail, and the whole thing. And uh, also new for 2008 here, uh, we have a new support uh, sponsor for the show. Yes, the F1 show is now supported by the Performance Box, a GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data logger. Perfect for any car nut to use at track days, autocrosses, or simply to see what your car can do. Shipping worldwide from VBOX USA. For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. That's performancedrift.com. Support. That's awesome. I'm so digging that. Yeah, uh, to, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, my day job is uh, supporting those products. So if you get one and have any questions about it, you can uh, talk to me there, and I'll be able to answer those questions. But uh, it's a very cool product, and we're very excited that they're going to be part of the show. And we can, uh, you know, if you guys have any questions about anything, you know, send us an email here or just hit up performancedrift.com and, uh, you know, check out the performance box. Because if you go to track days and, and anything like that, it's definitely something you want to check out. Yeah, I've used I've used it before, and it's it is generally a good, useful tool. I actually used it for a kart race I did last fall, and it was really sweet to have. You know, it's you know no. Uh, Outside uh, transmitter necessary. It's all GPS based. It's pretty cool. Yeah, just plug it into cigarette cigarette lighter and go. So. Okay, but we we didn't we said we wouldn't a, do that. That's we're, enough we're, of we're, that. we're drifting. Okay, we're drifting. I like it. All right. So finally, we, we have one more thing. We do. Yes, yes. This is another. It's a, it's later, but better late than never. Um, 
Kimi Raikkonen was the 2007 world champion. Both Jim and I were very happy for that and for him. And but I'm, I'm also excited to see him defend his championship this year. So in honor Absolutely. of sort of firing him up to, uh, to, to defend going. that championship and, and you know go at it for 2008 in big, big form, we got a little something for you. So And we're out for, the, for two weeks here. We'll uh, report to you after the Australian race. And uh, until then, I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. Kimi, this is for you. Yes, I did. So I packed it up and brought it back to the crib. Just a little something, show you how we live. Everybody want it, but it ain't that serious. Mm-hmm. That's that shit. So if you gon' do it, do it just like this. Did you realize that you were a champion? You don't see just how wild the crowd is. You don't see just how fly my style is. I don't see why I need a stylist. When I shot so much, I can speak Italian. I don't know, I just want it better for my kids. Saying we was from the projects, but every time I wanna lay away or deposit, my dad say when you see clothes, close your eyelids. We was sorta like Will Smith and his son. In the movie, I ain't talking about the rich ones. Cause every summer he'd get some brand new hair brain scheme to get rich from. And I don't know what he did for dope, but he'd send me back to school with a new wardrobe and hey, think he did when he packed it up and brought it back to the crib just a little something show you how we live everything i wanted man it seems so serious mm-hmm. that's that shit so if you gon' do it do it just like this did you realize that you were a champion when it feel like living's harder than dying for me giving up's way harder than trying lauren hill said her heart was in zion i wish her heart still was in rhyming Kids gon' listen to, huh? I guess me if it isn't you. Last week I paid a visit to the institute. They got the dropout keeping kids in the school. I guess I clean up my act like Prince do. If not for the pledge, at least for the principal. They got the CD, then got to see me drop gems like I dropped out a PE. They used to feel invisible. Now they know they invisible. Hey, hey, hey. Champion. To the crib, just a little something, show you how we live. Everybody want it, but it ain't that serious. Mm-hmm. That's that shit. So if you gon' do it, do it just like this. Like this. Really